You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. One call has the power to change our life forever. It can transform us from the inside out and lead us into a new future. Whether or not we answer the call is up to us. God calls each of us to something greater than ourselves. We're called to impact our world with the message and love of Jesus Christ. Equipping us all with gifts and talents, God gives us the tools necessary to accomplish His will. For God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. Hearing God's voice can be challenging. It doesn't always come as a loud ring, but can come as a whisper. Even when we don't feel God is speaking to us, He's there. Be the change you wish to see in the world. This statement is true, but an even greater truth is, be the change that God calls you to be in the world. Will you answer the call? That video is all about our new series entitled Who? Me? Um, and it's all about basically um, our call from God to join His mission, to join um, Him in His mission to reconcile the world to the Father. And um, so that's what we're going to be doing here today. Again, going back to our sermon series, it's, uh, it's about answering the call of God and and as believers, we are not just here to live our lives, um, to be blessed. You know, we are here to be blessed, but that's not the goal of God for us. He has a mission for us. He has a mission for each one of you. And would you turn to your seatmate and tell that person, God has a mission for you. And you know what? God wants you to join in his mission. That mission for you is actually his mission, and he wants us to join him in this mission, okay? So, <clears throat> and um, for the next few weeks, this is uh, what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at um, four weeks of this. Um, next week, though, will be our seventh anniversary service. And uh, so, please invite your friends. We're just going to have a special time just, uh, just to celebrate God's God's faithfulness uh, to us for the last seven years. And and, but our message is, is going to tie up with this series, okay? So um, basically, we're, on, next Sunday, we're going to talk about the responses of God, people's responses to the call of God. And then on the third week, we're going to talk about being salt and light. I know we preached on this already, but, uh, you know, the, the Word of God is so, so rich that you cannot un unpack it with just one message. So, uh, and then on the last week of this series, we're going to touch on us being ambassadors for Christ, okay? So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn your Bibles first to Matthew chapter 4, and then after that, we will go to Luke chapter 5, okay? So put a finger on Luke chapter 5. We're going to go to that um, book later, but let's go to Matthew chapter 4 from the English Standard Version, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that is so true, that is eternal. And your word changes us, Lord. And we pray, Father, that uh, you would instruct us today through your word and um, uh, through the help of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our hearts, Lord, that we may be what you call us to be, and that we may answer your call to, Lord, to join you in your mission, to reach the lost, and to, and to be part of what you're doing in the world, in reconciling the world to you. So, Father, right now we lift up the series to you, we lift up our hearts. Lord, have your way in us, and Lord, may we receive everything that your Spirit will, will teach us today, Lord, so that we may walk in all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all have your seats. <clears throat> okay, for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, my name is Neil Bernardino, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. I've been gone for two Sundays. Well, last Sunday I was here, so 
Um, but it was a Labor Day weekend, so a lot of you were not here last week. So, and you may be wondering who's that guy. So, <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> you know the rationale for this basically is uh, for us to to see that God in in this series we want to see God how God chooses the um, the most unlikely things and the most unlikely people, you know, to to uh, join him in his mission. Okay, and uh, how many of you believe think that we, you, God chose you because you're special, you're someone who's great, and you're talented, and you look good, you dress right? You think that's how God chooses people? That's not how God chooses people. He looks at He looks at us, He looks at our hearts, but He also basically chooses us by His own sovereign will. Okay, so it's just because simply He chose us. So it has nothing to do with with us. It's, it's not about us. It's all about Him and His purpose. And so uh, our objective for the series is, is that hopefully after the four weeks we're going to be um, dwelling on this theme, that we would have an understanding that we are indeed called by God uh, to be in His mission. So, and how many of you uh, believe that you are called to be fishers of men? This is we read. Are you called to be a fisher of men? Okay, some of you are saying, what? Fisher of men? So, well, we're going we're gonna to look at that right now. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the beginnings of the journey of the first disciples. And how many of you are disciples of Jesus? You can say that you are a disciple of Christ. We will look at the first disciples. Basically, what we, the text we looked at is the time that Jesus called the first disciples. This was the time he called them to follow him and to join him. Okay, so, and then from then on, they followed him until his, his passion, until his crucifixion, until his death, and until his resurrection. And since then, they've, they've continued on what, what, what God has entrusted to them. And that's why we're here today. So we're going to look at the beginnings of the, of the first disciples, and we're looking at their journey. So <clears throat> here in this text that we read, <clears throat> this, is, uh, <clears throat> this is in Matthew. This is also part of, um, Matthew is one of the three synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning those three of the four gospels. Those three are pretty much similar in content. They just uh, vary a bit in, you know, in some detail, uh, depending on uh, the emphasis of, uh, of the authors, okay, of the gospel writers. So the exception is John, because John focused, the book of John focused on pretty much the latter part of um, Jesus' ministry, and it um, concentrated on the Passion Week of Christ. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, basically gave a narrative of the entire life of Christ, the earth, his earth time here on the earth. Okay, so um, this is where we will see the first time that uh, this was said, follow me. There you go, follow me. Sorry. Okay, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is a commission that he has given his would-be disciples. Actually, this is, uh, this is restated before he ascended to heaven. So, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus called his disciples and this was his commission. Come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Imagine... This, is, this was a carpenter by trade telling fishermen how to fish. And that's what we're going to see here. And um, this statement was uh, basically restated in, in what we all know now as the Great Commission. Okay, in, Ma in Mark 16, it says there another way. In Matthew 28, <clears throat> okay, in Matthew 28, it says, uh, it says that Jesus came and said to them, this is before he ascended to heaven, this is after the crucifixion, he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, what we saw there in the beginning, Jesus telling his disciples, that they will be fishers of men was reaffirmed as the Great Commission to them before he ascended 
So that was Jesus telling them, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is your job. As you come follow me, the result will be for you, you know, to go out in the world and make disciples of the nations. That's what fishing for people means. It's to make disciples. Okay? And um, God, as disciples, God has called us to make disciples. Tell the person next to you, you are called to make disciples. Okay? <clears throat> that presupposes that you're supposed to be a disciple yourself. Okay? <clears throat> so, now, um, now, we looked at Matthew 28, but in order for us to really see, uh, I chose Matthew 28 because of, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew 5. So Matthew 5, Matthew 4. Um, because it contained the term, the term fisher of men, okay? The phrase fisher of men. Uh, but I want us to go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, because the book of Luke gives us greater detail on this particular account. So Luke was a medical doctor, and he was given to details. And so um, he's given to history. He wanted to make sure that, that uh, every detail that needed to be out there will be communicated. And that's why he wrote it. So let's turn to Luke chapter 5. And what we're going to do is we're just going to do a commentary on each of these passages. And uh, we're just going to draw some, some, um, some applications, some lessons and applications for us today. Okay? <clears throat> so Luke, Luke chapter 5. Are you there? We're going to read from verses 1 through 11. But there in uh, Luke chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1, <clears throat> um, Jesus had just begun his earthly ministry here. So he had, been, uh, he had already been uh, healing people, and, uh, and he had been preaching already. So Jesus already had a following. People already are following him because of his teaching with authority. He not, did not only teach... Uh, truth, God's truth, but he also demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God. And so, people are now coming to him, and uh, wherever he would go, people would follow him. And we find him here, and by the, by the lake shore, uh, at the Sea of Galilee, or the lake of Gennesaret. Okay, so, verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. <clears throat> How many of you have experience in fishing, or you like fishing? <clears throat> what type of fishing do you do? Uh, commercial. Commercial? Okay, good. Do you do it for, for fun as well? Uh, no. no? How many of you do fishing for fun? Nobody? Nobody does? Okay, how many, oh, there you go. How many of you tried, uh, you know, what's called aligning fishing? How many of you tried that? A lot of people do that for leisure, okay? And that's an effective way to fish, okay? But there's an even more effective way to fish, uh, which is net fishing, and we'll get, that, get to that in a, in a moment. So these fishermen were washing their nets, and... Uh, <clears throat> The reason why they're they're doing that is because they've they've done they've they've done their uh, eight hours I guess their their work day they're done with their work day, and they actually did not catch anything. These were fishermen by trade, so that means they knew what they were doing. Okay, they it's like um, it's like Evan and Michelle they're physical therapists, and so they know what they're doing uh, as a physical therapist. Okay, so um, so these these uh, fishermen were experts in this, and it's just one of those days that, you know, you don't catch anything. As a fisherman, they knew, as fishermen, they knew that there were, there were going to be days, there would be zero catches. And so they're washing their nets there, and Jesus sees the boat, but there's a crowd pressing in, pressing in on him, and they're by the lake shore. Okay, so, so what Jesus did, <clears throat> okay, in verse 3, uh, he got, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Everybody say Simon. Who is Simon? We'll know later. Okay. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So can you picture it? So he got on the boat, 
asked Simon, who owned the boat, could you bring me there uh, quite, a, 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 quite a ways so that I can speak to the people from the boat so that they won't have to press in, okay, so that they can understand me clearly. So he began teaching the people, the crowds there. So the fishermen, Simon and his friends, were wondering, what's, what's with the crowd here today? And normally, it's just a normal, you know, normal group of folks here, but these are people from not, from, these are not, these people are not from here. So what's, what's going on? And they realized that Jesus, this creature, who's gaining reputation for his authoritative preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God and his miracles, he's there. And so probably as they were washing their nets, they're like, wow, so that's the Jesus. Can you imagine if you're Simon, <clears throat> you're there and, you're, and you saw Jesus, and then he calls you and asks a favor of you. Would you go, oh, I'm busy. Can you, can't you see I'm busy? <clears throat> Simon didn't do that. What he did was, he left what he was doing, and he accommodated the request of his teacher. So there, Simon was on his boat. He was the captain of his boat, and Jesus was his guest, but Jesus was preaching to the crowds. Okay? <clears throat> and after that, verse 4, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, so he, was, he spoke to the crowds first, and after he finished his message, he turned to Simon, and he said the following, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Why did Jesus say that? Probably he saw that, you know, they didn't catch any fish. Okay? He probably, he probably knew that. And so he said, put out a bit, go out to the deep for a catch. Now that didn't make sense. Can you imagine you're Simon. You're, you're Simon, you're a fisherman, and by the looks of this guy, he doesn't look like a fisherman. Okay, he kind of looks like a carpenter, okay? So probably they knew he was a carpenter. And he's telling me to go out there for a catch. I know these waters, you know? So that's probably something he was thinking of, but I can't really say that's really what he's say, thinking 100%. But the, I, I believe those thoughts crossed his mind. But it probably didn't make sense. We didn't catch anything. And what do you know about fishing? And then so he kind of verbalized what he was thinking about. And in verse 5, and Simon answered, Master, <clears throat> we toiled all night <clears throat> and took nothing. All night. They pulled an all-nighter. These expert fishermen pulled an all-nighter, and they had zero catch. They had squat. Okay, so <clears throat> it's just one of those days. And there, there's, there are no fish out there. And he said, <clears throat> we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word, I will let down <clears throat> the nets. So Jesus... <clears throat> gave a command here to Peter, and Peter obeyed the command. Maybe in his mind, it was not clicking, it was not making sense, and yet he found it in his heart to obey. And maybe in his mind, his mind's also telling him, just do it, it you know, obey the guy. I mean, he performs miracles, but anyway. So he does what Jesus says, okay? And look what he said here. But at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word. It's interesting he called him master. Okay? He, Simon was not Jesus' servant at this time. Or maybe because of Jesus' reputation already. So Simon respectfully addresses him as master. Okay? We had nothing, but at your word, we will let down, I will let down the nets. Okay? And verse 6, and when they had done when they had done this, so it was not just Simon in the boat. There was another guy there. Actually, in, in uh, Matthew, if you look at it, the other guy there was his, uh, was his brother, Andrew. Okay? Simon and Andrew, they were brothers, they were fishermen. Okay? And uh, after, when they had done this, 
they enclosed a large number of fish. So they let down their nets and they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets began to break. Wow, what, this is an incredible catch for your nets to break. Fishermen make their nets strong so that it can withstand such a heavy load. But this is one, un, this one, uh, this is one extraordinary load because the nets began to break. And, you know, we're going to lose all the fish. And so they called. It says there, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Their boats, there was, there was so much fish that, that filled both boats that they began sinking. It was too much load for them. All night they weren't there. And all of a sudden, they're there. And for a fisherman, he understood that that was an extraordinary event. Fish don't just come like that. They know the way of fish, the ways of fish. You know, just like cowboys, they, they know the way of cattle, right? Uh, dog, um, you know, dog trainers, they, they know the ways of dogs. Fishermen know the ways of fish. And they recognized this was an extraordinary event. Okay? And so, and so their boats began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees while the others were pulling the nets and putting the fish in, in their boats. Simon, uh, Simon had a moment of clarity. And that was what, who, the person before him in his boat was not just an ordinary man. He was not just a, a gifted teacher. He realized something else. Something else here. He had what we call a theophany or an epiphany. Okay? And, um, and here's what he said. When Simon, verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, notice it says Simon Peter. Okay, so Luke now begins to call Simon, Simon Peter, because Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, right? So again, Luke was telling this as a backstory. So Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me. You know what? He, he had a theophany. He was in the presence. He realized of the divine. And in the presence of the divine, your sense of sinfulness will be fully realized and fully exposed. And there is no other response but try to, you know, basically what he's saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinful man. What did that have to do with the catch of fish, right? It was his realization. It was his revelation. God opened his eyes to see not just the man, but the very, the, but, you know, God himself. That's why, that's why you'll see in, um, later on when Jesus asked, who do people say I am? People said, some people say you're, you're, uh, you're the prophet, some say you're Elijah, you know, so, but, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And perhaps this initial encounter was one of those moments where, we, where he had that revelation. That this man before me is the promised Messiah. Is the promised Christ for no one like him has ever walked this earth as far as he knew. So he had a moment of clarity there. In the presence of holiness, sin wills. 
sin, sinfulness, and those who have sinned, they feel the insecurity brought about by their sin as they are exposed by the light of holiness. I am a sinful man. He acknowledges sin, and he acknowledges unworthiness. Depart from me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You're getting the picture here? So, for he, verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So, remember Simon called the other boat and it referred to them as Simon's partners? Guess who they were? It was John and James. In his boat was his brother Andrew. Do you know who these were? These became four of the initial twelve apostles of Jesus. But these were their beginnings. Okay? So here, they saw what happened and they were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. They have never seen anything like it. And also, so, so who were partners with Simon? And Jesus said to, him, to Simon, do not be afraid. Isn't that interesting that when you encounter the divine or something that represents the divine, there's something in you that goes, I'm not worthy. It's funny how people, sometimes I talk to people, you know, um, and we have conversations and I have some conversations with people who just, they're just themselves, you know, they, they cuss everything and they, they swear. And then I ask them what they do, they tell me what they do. And then when they, it gets to the part where they ask me what I do, I say, oh, I'm a minister. I pastor a church there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I have such a filthy mouth. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to, I didn't know that I was in the presence of a holy man. You know, I was like, it's okay, be yourself. But it's interesting that when we're in the presence of someone who represents God, we kind of like, <laughs> we're uneasy. See, sin in the inside becomes insecure every time the divine is near. You understand that? There's a story of uh, a president of the United States this particular author, who was um, um, an atheist, I think, or an agnostic, and then Billy Graham. Okay, I'm not sure how, how true this is, but this was written in a book, so I suppose there's truth to it. Okay, so, but there's, uh, so they went for a round of golf, and then um, this author, after that round of golf with the president and Billy Graham, he left that golf, uh, that golf club. He was storming. He was mad. I don't need Billy Graham ramming, ramming religion down my throat. And then his friend goes, "Why? Did he preach the Bible to you? Did he through eighteen holes? Was he preaching the whole time?" I hate, I hate being around people like that. I said, "Why? What did he do?" And then he kind of collected himself. You know, I actually didn't do anything. He didn't even speak about. His religion, or he didn't speak about God. He didn't even actually, we didn't even talk about it. He was so insecure in the presence of someone who represented God, who didn't even talk to him about the gospel. Just by his presence, sin got, you know, raffled inside him. Ruffled, sorry, ruffled inside him. Have you noticed that? So that's what happened. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And it's interesting. Um, Jesus used different words. It's here in the English, it's translated as catch. The first time he said, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It's just regular catch, a capture. Okay? Um, basically, like, like what you, when you catch fish. 
But here he said when it referred to men, he used a, a, a word that in English is translated as catch also, but in, you know, in, in the Greek. It's a word that means catch for life. Catch while they're alive and catch for life. And you're not to catch them to, and to gut them out like you got fish. You catch them so that, you, that they can have life. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. <clears throat> so Luke here phrases it differently. Matthew says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here, Luke phrases it differently. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Basically, you're going to apprehend men so that they may have life. Go to all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why, <clears throat> Why did Jesus want his disciples to teach people to obey him? Because his commands bring life. So we are, our mission is to get as many people as we can so that they can hear the message of the gospel of Christ that they may put their faith in him and everyone who puts their faith in Christ shall not perish but will have what? Eternal life. Catch for life. So as we <clears throat> so we just basically did a running commentary on, on Luke 5 See, many believe um, Jesus um, did help Simon because, because, you know, they, poor guy, they didn't even catch anything. They toiled all night and didn't catch anything. Let me, let me bless them. <laughs> Some people think that, you know, Jesus blessed them for letting him use his, use, uh, his boat, okay? So, uh, but actually, you know, it's more than that. I believe Jesus showed Simon what he could do. He used that opportunity to reveal who he was because he was going to cause Simon to be one of his disciples. And basically, Jesus knew that this guy right here, this guy is going to be, you know, the main guy, the main, you know, the main, uh, you know, the, the, the chief apostle. He's going, to be, he's going to be one of the most famous apostles of Christ. And the task that he has. He's going to be the leader of the church. Okay? I'm not talking about Jesus appointing Peter as the Pope. Okay? So he's basically just, you know, in a group of friends, a group of leaders, there's one that stands out as the recognized leader. And Peter was that man. But this time, he was just a fisherman. He was clueless of what he was going to do with his life, right? Fish, fish. Have you seen Forrest Gump? You remember, you remember Bubba? He talked about shrimp all the time, like 10 minutes, shrimp kebab, shrimp this, shrimp that, all the ways, different ways to cook shrimp. That's probably what Peter, you know, fish, you know, let's talk about fish. You talk about politics, Peter would go, would just fall asleep on you. And we talk about fishing, let's go, let's talk about fishing. And Jesus is a master, isn't it? goes, from this moment on, you no longer catch fish, you will fish for men. And that connected with Peter. And that's why when they landed on the shore, they left everything and followed him. Okay? So, <clears throat> I believe Jesus um, showed Simon what he could do as the Messiah, but he also gave Simon a glimpse of the great catch that he will have as God will use him to be a fisher of men. Simon got it. You see that great haul? This is extraordinary. This is miraculous. From now on, you will catch men. 
and Simon connected it. If, Je if this man, if Jesus can do this with the fish, and that's just his analogy, that's just his, his illustration, and we're not just going to change trades, we're going to change lives of people, we're going to change their eternal destinations. And for that, he was all in, you know, he bought in, and he was all in with God's mission for him. Are we all in with God's mission? Or are we building our own kingdoms? We sang a while ago, it's all about you. Many times we come to worship, not to worship God, but to feel, to experience the, the, the good feelings we, we have when we worship. I feel light. I feel all my burdens are lifted. Oh, this is such a good feeling. That's why I love worshiping. It's for the experience. It's not really to worship God. And a lot of people make worship that way. It's all about them. It's not about God. So a few lessons here that I'd like to draw from that narrative that I'd like to bring application towards being a fisher of men, okay? I mean, we can preach this every Sunday and have, diff and have different emphasis, different points. That's how rich God's Word is. But today, we're focusing on being a fisher of men. <clears throat> and so, from the story, here are a few lessons. <clears throat> okay, from the story, here are a few lessons that we can <clears throat> draw from. Number one, let Jesus use her vessel as his platform for the gospel. You see, the boat that Jesus was standing on represented the trade of Simon. It represented his job. It represented the thing that he needed so that he could have a living. It represented that. And Simon allowed Jesus to use his vessel to be Jesus' platform as he ministered to the people. What's your vessel? What's your boat? What is your trade? What is your job? Is it a platform? Are you using, letting Jesus use it, your trade, your job, your career, as his platform to minister to others? Or is it your platform to advance your own agenda? Are you a disciple of Christ? If you are, then even if you're not in the full-time ministry, if you're working out there, you can be a minister and you can use your job, your trade, or whatever you're doing to be the platform for Jesus, the platform to reveal Jesus Christ to the world. In your workplace, is it just working? Or have you relegated Jesus just to Sunday worship and to your small group meeting? But when you're working, I'm working. This is worshiping Jesus. This is my work. It has nothing to do with Christianity. You see, in Jesus, there are no demarcations like that. If you follow him, then all of your life, everything about you, should be his platform. Because he deserves it. Right? Jesus ministered to the crowds using Simon's boat as his platform. I remember a story. <clears throat> Many years ago, a friend of ours, uh, Lily Beth would know this person, Joel would know this person, and maybe some of you will. His name is Conrad Reyes. Okay, he was um, a good friend of mine, and um, he, he became one of the CEOs of, um, of a multi, um, multinational uh, telecommunications conglomerate in Asia. But before that, he was... Uh, <clears throat> Before that, he was, he was uh, working for a certain company, I'm not going to say what it is, a certain telecommunications company in the Philippines, and, and, and his job was to get accounts for the company, okay, so to get people, you know, to subscribe to their services. And um, they're supposed, and his job is to get account, corporate accounts. And so the practice at that time is it's so hard to get accounts it was customary, it was not written, but it was approved, and it is, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's an unwritten uh, policy that you are supposed to bribe, 
their clients, you're supposed to bring them to dinner, and sometimes you're supposed to bring them to, like, if it's a guy, you know, are you just with girls? Okay, let's bring it to girl, to, to broth up or something. <laughs> it's customary to, to do those things to get the account. And Conrad, being a disciple of Jesus, said, I'm not going to do that. I am going to trust Jesus, my Lord, to bless me in this without having to resort to that. And Conrad and his friends, who were members of our church, working in that com company, took a stand, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They took their stand, and, said, and, uh, and so they, their supervisor was like, are you crazy? This has been done for, for decades. What makes you think that you will, that you will, that, uh, you know, that your way will work? God's way will always works. And so they chose to honor God. And you know what? I think for three, if I'm not mistaken, for five years straight, Conrad and his friends, who were also from church, were the top sales executives for that company. You know, and they were awarded. And, and the president took notice of how they were doing it, and then they said, you know what, because of your testimony, and they honored God, and every year they were awarded, and the president said, you know what, we are making a change in our policy from now on, we are not going to do under-the-table deals, we're going to do everything with integrity, these men approved it for the last five years. They're, they use their, their job as God's platform, brought about change. And it brought about a great witness. You see what God can do? Is your job a platform for Jesus and his purpose? Or is it your own agenda? Secondly, <clears throat> the second lesson I want us to look at is this. <clears throat> Rely on Jesus' word to bring in the catch. Do we rely, in our seminary classes we've been talking about, the church relying on methods and techniques to bring in the harvest. But who actually is the Lord of the harvest? It's Jesus. He's the one who brings the catch. Do you notice Jesus said, put out the deep for a catch? He already knew the fish was going to be there. By miraculous, so basically he's the Lord of the universe. So he probably commanded the fish to be there. Right? But you know, the fish went there. Uh, that's That's... They went the, um, you know, against their instinct, and they actually got caught. You know what drew the fish there? What drew the fish to the boat? What drew the fish to the boat? It was Jesus who drew them. And let me ask you this. As you let Jesus use your life as his platform, it's not going to be you who will draw the people. It's Jesus in you who will draw the people. Rely on him and his word for that catch. Is this making sense? <clears throat> there will be times Jesus will tell us to do something that does not make sense in the natural. Especially when you're, when you're about to give up. You know, one of those nights, you know, no fish. And Jesus tells you, go out there. Lord, read my lips. There are no fish out there. Sometimes we feel that way in the circumstance. It's not God's will. And then you hear God go out there again. I can tell you story after story of these things happening. It ended up with people get, giving their lives to Jesus. But regardless of the circumstance, we are to trust and obey his word. When you feel like giving up, trust and obey his word to you. Let me ask this, are we directed by Jesus' word and leading as we fish for men? Or are we relying on our own experience or expertise? I did this before, we've been doing this for years, it's going to work all the time. Who are you relying on? Lastly, last lesson is this, fishing for men is done best together. Everybody say, we are better together. <laughs> Line fishing is good. You can get one, two. Maybe you can get ten, ten fish in a day. That's a good day. But if you're 
net fishing. All by yourself, you can catch more than 10. But when you're together with other people, doing it together and you're pulling together, you're going to catch a lot more. And you see, fishing for men is best done together. That's why Jesus didn't just send one person. He sent his disciples to go make disciples so that those new disciples can go out there and catch the harvest. Does this make sense? We are better together. So, oftentimes, as we conclude, oftentimes God chooses the unlikeliest people to do his mission. Simon Peter, the Bible says in Acts, people recognized that these men who were preaching and moving in, in, in miracles, these are unschooled, these are uneducated men. How can they preach eloquently? How can they do all these miraculous things? And then they realized that these men were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus so much that they became carriers of his presence. It's Jesus in them that brings change to the people they reach. So, <clears throat> as we look at this, we see a pattern here in <clears throat> the progression of Simon Peter's <clears throat> response to the call of Jesus. We see this uh, in Isaiah chapter 6 in how Isaiah <clears throat> responded to the call of God. We see this also in, in the journey of, Peter, of Paul, the apostle. He went through the same progression. And I believe most of us could relate with this, if not all of us. Let me share those things to you quickly, and then we're going to end. First is this. There's a pattern of having an encounter with Jesus, and then your eyes are open, and you have an epiphany, or a theophany, or whatever you want to use. In other words, you had an encounter with Jesus that opened your eyes, and, and it led you to the second stage which is a strong sense of your sinfulness and unworthiness before holiness. Right? Isaiah said, Woe is me, or I am a man of unclean lips. I've seen the Lord, but I am a man of unclean lips. And he's expecting judgment. Strong sense of your own limitation, sinfulness, and unworthiness. But here's the next thing, cleansing. It's not specifically mentioned there, but the way Jesus spoke to Simon proves that he did not banish him because of his sin, but he actually cleansed him. And in Isaiah, when Isaiah was before God, he saw God, and he was trembling because he, he thought he was going to die. And then an angel, Seraph, took a coal from the altar of God. And then brought it to Isaiah and touched Isaiah's lips. Remember, Isaiah just said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. And then he, his lips were purified by that coal from the altar of God. Here, you are not clean. By Jesus' word to Simon, Simon was made clean. Do you realize Jesus can make you clean by just his word? When he declares you're clean, you're clean. Whoever the Son of Man sets free, he is free indeed. Cleansing, forgiveness. Simon Peter felt this and experienced that cleansing and forgiveness. And then after that, he, after he was cleansed, he saw the call. He heard the call of God. And he responded. After Isaiah was cleansed from his sin... All of a sudden, he understood clearly. He heard the heartbeat of God. Those people are neat. They need someone to go there. Whom shall we send? And then Isaiah said, I hear the call. It's me. Hear my Lord. Send me. He responded. Peter responded. Paul responded at the road of the, to Damascus. Peter realized, Paul realized that after he was cleansed, after his encounter with Jesus on the road, and he was, he was brought to the reality of his unworthiness and of his sinfulness. And then he was cleansed, he was forgiven, he was healed. And that's when he heard that the call of God clearly, I'm going to be a light to the Gentiles. That's what Jesus said to him. And he responded. And lastly, 
when you hear the call of God, there's going to be a commissioning. Simon heard the call, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Simon heard it, and he heard that call, and he took it as his commission. I have been commissioned by God to do his work. We are called to participate in his mission. Let me ask you this. How many of you have gone through this progression? Have you gone through this progression? I hope you remain faithful to the end. That your commission stays the same. That God's mission is your mission. Your mission is not to build your life so that you can be the best Christian and show everybody, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian and I'm blessed. See? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But God wants to use you as his instrument of change and righteousness to this, in this world. And his mission is your mission. And that is to reconcile this world to him. And if he blesses you in the process, well and good. But if not, it does not matter. Paul said, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I'm, 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 I'm fully provided for or, or I'm in lack, it does not matter. I am content. For to me, one thing, I pursue one thing, that, that, that's Jesus crucified. There's one thing I want to do is to know him more and to share this resurrection and to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus. And if he blesses me in the process, great, but if not, it does not matter. You see, the American dream has crept into the, the, the mindset of the church thinking that if for you to be a Christian, that means you're going to be happy, you're going to be wealthy. We hear preachers tell you, God wants you to be filthy rich. That's the American dream. The American dream is not necessarily the kingdom of God. Is this making sense? So my main point as we end here, <clears throat> then you can start playing. You may identify with Peter here. And you see, Peter, by the standards of society at the time, was nothing. He was a mere fisherman. By social classes and social barriers, these are but man-made divisions that put people down. He was nothing. But in God's eyes, that's why the Bible says, God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the so-called wise. God uses the unlikeliest of people for his grand purposes. Did Peter dream that he was going to be the head of Jesus' church? He didn't. That was not in his mind. Can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you, if you're discouraged in your life right now, don't be. God has a plan for your life. It may not, I can guarantee you, it may not look like how you want it to be. But let me tell you this, God's plan for your life is the best for you. And he's the one who defines what's best, not society not your bank account. You understand this? God has a plan for your life and he wants you to join him in his purpose. Join him in his mission. Join him as he commissions you to partner with him in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Bringing about the rule of the kingdom of God. This is such a privilege. This is far greater than making your $30 million in life. Because after you make $30 million and you die, what's going to happen? What good is that to you? The multitude of fish that Peter caught gave a vision of the multitudes that will be redeemed. That is the privilege we have as believers. We are called to this privilege. Amen? Let's all stand and just basically here's what I want to say. Who, me? Lord, why do you choose me?
Why do you choose me? See, I'm not qualified. See, God does not call those who are qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Amen? If you're here today and you felt the call of God, it's not because of what you've done. You're here and you have a mission because God has chosen you and God has qualified you for this mission. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are such a good God. Lord, that <clears throat> your grace <clears throat> is so great, Lord, that as we've experienced it, Lord, we can't help but think of others. They need, they need this. They need to experience this too. So, Lord, would you send us, Lord? Would you cleanse us and send us? So we, we're here today. We say, Lord, here we are. Send us. Lord, we want to be what you call us to be. We want to be, we want to be fishers of men. And we look not to ourselves, to our accolades, or lack of it. We look to you who qualified us to this great privilege and great ministry. And there are people today. We know friends, family members, relatives, schoolmates, co-workers, neighbors, even enemies. Lord, they need you. Lord, we repent of just thinking of Christianity as, as us being blessed. And just to live, be a, have a blessed life and enjoy the blessing of God. Lord, that's, that's consequential. But that's not the entirety of why you died for us. Yes, we will be blessed by your, by your definition and by your standards, but that's not the goal. The goal that you have for us is to, for us to be partners with you in your mission. That we're going to be the salt and the light of the earth. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And you've called us to be ambassadors, your representatives. But we're going to look at those three aspects of this call to join you in your mission in the next few weeks, Lord. Lord, prepare our hearts that we may say yes to your purpose, yes to your mission, not to our own. If, you have, if you're here today and you, want, you realize you've been living your life for yourself, not for God's purpose, God's gracious, he wants to forgive you and cleanse you. If you want to repent, have someone pray with you. I'd like to ask the, the victory leaders to please stand there in the middle aisle and uh, please approach one of these leaders and they'll be glad to pray for you. Okay, if you need any prayer or ministry, just, just approach any one of them. Maybe related to the topic or not related to the topic at all. But approach them and, and help, you know, let them help you, you know, as you go back to God. Amen? Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We worship you, Lord. We give you praise today. Can we just lift up our hands? Maybe this first time for you, Lord. But, but Lord, we lift up our hands to you. We worship you. We acknowledge your greatness in our life. We acknowledge your Lordship. As we lift our hands, Lord, this is an act of us saying we are surrendered to you. Our lives are yours, Lord. Have your way, let your will be done, let your kingdom come in my, in my life, in my family, in my church, in my city. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, use us and let us be like Simon and the, apostles, the other disciples who followed you and you did great things through them. But their prize is that they get to follow you. What a privilege, Lord. So today we surrender and we say, Lord, we pursue you with all our hearts. And Lord, use us for your, for your purpose and for your glory. I pray your blessing to be upon your people as we go. Pray that you bless their endeavors, especially those that are related to being fishers of men. Lord, set up divine appointments for your people this week that they would reach out to people. Let them hear your word. Let them hear your voice. And lead them, Lord, to the catch. Lead them to, to that multitude. Lead them to that divine appointment so that they will catch the, the fish. They will catch men for life. 
Lord, bless your church today as we meet in this place, Lord God. We give you all the praise and glory. We thank you. In your most precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. the Lord praise. We pray, please. Here we come forward and approach our weekly leaders who we'll will be glad to pray for you. God bless everybody. Have a great week. And by the way, next week is our seventh anniversary. So invite your friends, all right? And we're going to have a great time next week.